The passage that we read a few minutes ago, Matthew 25, verses 31 through 40, it describes a scene that we know as the judgment of the nations. Now, the two great judgments that we're all familiar with are the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. You say, what's this one? Well, the judgment of the nations takes place after the tribulation period, after Jesus comes again, after the battle of Armageddon is over, but before the millennial reign of Christ begins. In a nutshell, the judgment of the nations will reward people from all nations who demonstrated their faith during the tribulation period by showing kindness to the Jews who put their faith in Christ during the tribulation period. say, Pastor, I don't get that. That's okay. You don't have to. Just know this. This scene that's described in the passage that we just read introduces to us a group of people in this world that Jesus calls the least of these. The least of these. The hungry, and I'm not making this up, this is from the passage. The hungry, the thirsty, the abandoned, the lonely, the needy, the sick, the captive. They're always all around us. On any given day, they could be me. They could be you. The least of these. Would you say that phrase with me? Ready? The least of these. The hungry. The thirsty. The abandoned. The lonely. The needy. The sick. The captive. And by the way, you can apply these words in so many areas of life. Not everybody who's thirsty lacks water. Not everybody who's hungry lacks food. People who go without. There are wealthy people, materially, who hunger to be loved. There are famous people who live very lonely lives. The least of these. The outcast. The person that nobody talks to. The person that nobody sits with. The guy that doesn't fit in. The woman who struggles. The person that cruel people label a loser. The least of these. But now... I want to introduce you to something else. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 13. Now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. This is the last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And of course, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13 is sandwiched in between two chapters where Paul is teaching the church of Corinth about the proper use of their spiritual gifts. 
And Paul takes a brief break from addressing spiritual gifts directly to tell these carnal believers about the most powerful weapon that any human being has in his arsenal. That weapon is charity. What is charity? Charity is God's love working through us. The most powerful weapon in the world is God's love working through us. I need to say that about 20 times so that it gets into our brains. But I'll just say it one more time. The most powerful weapon in this world is God's love working through us. Charity. Say, why do you call it a weapon? Because it has to defeat some powerful enemies. It has to defeat hatred. It has to defeat lies. It has to defeat pride and selfishness. It has to defeat the works of Satan, the source of all hate and lies. And so it is a weapon, but it's a good weapon. The most powerful weapon in this world is God's love working through. Oh, I wish I could take a half an hour just to convince you of that or to try to convince you of that. The most powerful weapon in this world is a weapon that you have at your disposal. God's love working through you. What's so powerful about God's love working through us? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us. God's love working through us stands by people as they struggle and grow. God's love working through us is kind to people while the rest of the world is angry and cruel. God's love working through us is not trying to take anything from people. It's always asking, what can I give? God's love working through us is not a self-promoter. Instead, it makes other people better. God's love working through us is not arrogant. It's meek. God's love working through us always acts appropriately. God's love working through us is completely unselfish. I'm taking my time through this on purpose because I want some of this maybe to sink in. These are a paraphrase of what's found in 1 Corinthians 13. It's all right there. God's love working through us doesn't fly off the handle. It can be talked to without being interrupted or corrected or getting furious at you. God's love working through us does not assume the worst in people. It's not an accuser or a blamer. God's love working through us doesn't root for people to fail. What do I mean by that? Sometimes when we give people our advice or our opinion, even if they've asked for it, and then we don't take, they don't take our advice, 
We have this bad way of hoping that they fail to prove us right. But love doesn't do that. Love says, hey, we may not agree, but I'm still pulling for you to succeed. By the way, you know, that's what God does for you. All these things that I'm reading, yes, there are things that love does through us for others, but primarily there are things that God's love does for you. God doesn't root for you to fail just because you rebel against him. He's pulling for you. God's love working through us carries the burden of people's weaknesses. See that phrase, beareth all things. In other words, love knows that someone else is weak. Love says, because I love you, I'm going to take your weakness upon myself for as long as it takes for you to overcome it. And if you never do overcome it, I'm still here with you. God's love working through us believes in people's potential. God's love working through us dreams big for other people. God's love working through us endures whatever is necessary to help people. To help them reach their destination in life. And God's love working through us never gives up. These are some of the things that make love the most powerful weapon in the world. And if you'll notice the last verse of 1 Corinthians 13, it calls love the greatest of these. When you're loved by somebody like I just described to you from 1 Corinthians 13, it has a powerful impact on you. But unfortunately, most people have never met anybody who knows how to love like that. If you're awake, say amen. All right. I hope you're soaking this in. Listen carefully. We're about to take a turn here. Do you know what happens when the greatest of these, that's the love of God and the life of a believer, touches the least of these, the hungry, the thirsty, the abandoned, the lonely, the needy, the sick, the captive? When the greatest of these, love, touches the least of these, they find hope. When the greatest of these, love, touches the least of these, they find purpose. Most importantly, when the greatest of these, love, the love that comes from God, God's love working through us, when the greatest of these touches the least of these, they find Jesus. When the greatest of these touches the least of these, they find redemption. They find truth. They find meaning in life. They find strength. When the greatest of these true love that only comes from God touches the least of these, the hungry, the thirsty, the abandoned, the lonely, the needy, the sick, the captive... 
when the greatest of these touches the least of these, they're transformed. They're given new life. They learn how to care again. They find a reason to live. They learn to value themselves. They know they're truly loved. They gain perspective. Things begin to make sense. They're released from bondage. They find victory. They find the tools to succeed. They learn life's answers. And they learn how to let God's love work through them. When the greatest of these touches the least of these, the hungry are fed. The thirsty are satisfied. The lonely find love. The needs are supplied. The sick find healing. The captive are set free. But here's the problem. Here's why it doesn't happen nearly as much as it should. The least of these are out there. But the greatest of these, the love of God, is in here. There's a great divide between the greatest of these. And I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about the love of God through us. There's a great distance between the greatest of these love and the least of these living lives of pain, sorrow, loneliness, isolation, depression, despair. If they could be touched by the greatest of these, love, the love of God working through us, everything could change for them. But since we possess God's love in here, and they're out there somewhere, so many times they never get that touch. And they live and die without getting what they need. How can we introduce the greatest of these, love? And we're not talking theory today. We're talking about the way every one of us need to be living. Every one of us needs to bring the love of God to the least of these, the people all around us who are suffering and struggling and in pain and heartache. How can we do that? Well, number one, you've got to live in God's love yourself. Now, most of you have heard me preach messages on the subject of living in God's love, and I'm not going to take the time to re-preach that kind of message this morning. But I'll tell you what you ought to do. If I say the message living in God's love, and you said, Pastor, that doesn't ring a bell with me. I've never heard that. Here's your homework. Go to our church website, and on the bottom are a bunch of little banners, and one of them says, Living in God's Love. Click on it, and you'll see about a 40-minute video of that message. I'm not promoting a message. I don't get any money out of that. It doesn't cost anything. But you'll see one of the most important truths in Christianity, which is every believer needs to on purpose live in God's love every day or you'll never help anybody else. Live in God's love yourself. Listen, how many days this week did you on purpose notice God's love for you? In the Bible, 
in the events of your day, in nature around you? How many times did you say, thank you, Lord, for loving me? How many times did you say, Lord, I love you too? How many times did you commune with the Lord in love? How many times did you sing of his love? Don't let the songs that you sing in here stay in here. Bring them home with you. The songs you sing will be the person that you are. Be very careful about it. You say, well, there's, what's wrong with that song? What's wrong with that guy? It may not be what's wrong with it. It may be what's not right with it. Take it from somebody know, that knows no song about pickup trucks and guitars is going to enhance your, your righteousness. It's not going to bring you closer to Christ. Live in God's love yourself. If you don't live in God's love, you are not equipped to show God's love to other people. There's three directions of God's love very quickly. We've sung about them in the song many times in 1 John 3 and 4. First direction, God loves me. Second direction, I love God because he loved me. Third direction, God loves others through me. We've spent a lot of time talking about that first direction and that second direction. This morning we're talking about that third direction. God loving others through me. But you cannot. See God love others through you if you first don't take in the love of God for yourself. So if you want to go to work, if you want to go to school, if you want to go to your neighborhood, if you want to go to the Sunday dinner next week and share the love of God with people, you first have to soak in the love of God for yourself. How can we introduce the greatest of these to the least of these? Live in God's love yourself. Secondly, you've got to be genuine. You got to be real. People don't need our religious act. People don't need our plastic Christianity. People need a real person who knows a real God. I said, live in God's love yourself. I said, be genuine. And now let's get down to it. And here's the end of the message. We're so close to the end. Watch. For the least of these. Who is that person at work. That needs you to touch them with the love of God. Who is that person at school. Who needs the touch. Of the love of God. Listen carefully what I'm going to say right here. If I could live my life over again. Knowing what I know now, at every stage of life, I would ignore the cool crowd and seek out the quiet person who's in need. Now, sometimes the cool crowd is in need, but you got to be aware of that. Instead of trying to fit in with them, you got to try to show them the love of God. But if I could live my whole life over again, go back to the beginning, knowing what I know now, I wouldn't seek to be in with anybody. Instead, I'd seek to show and introduce the love of God 
And I have, I have to be honest with you. I, my mind right now is going back to grade school. And I see faces of pictures, faces of people I wish I had treated right. But because nobody else talked to them, I didn't talk to them. Because if I talk to them, if I sit with them, people are going to laugh at me. That's the public school thing right there. Everybody who's been to public school knows what I'm talking about. I hope you were so awesome that you went and talked to that person. And I hope that you're not going to be such a self-pity person right now that you say, ah, I was that person. Don't, Don't go there. Don't go there. You're never going to love everybody else as long as you're seeing. You say, I see I'm the needy one. Get get out of that. You need to love other people. You need to forget about whether or not you're the needy one. But I wish I could go back to grade school. and I mean, I could name for you people that I wish I had talked to instead of ignoring. And when everybody ganged up on somebody, I don't mean beating them up. I just mean treating them like trash. How many times at worst I joined in or at best I kept silent. If I could go back, I wish I had the courage in grade school and middle school. Not so much in high school. I went to a Christian high school, but it happened even there. But at every stage of life, there were people I should have sought out. There were people I shouldn't have cared what people have said. I should have sat with them. I should have been their friend. The people that nobody talks to, the people that everybody makes fun of, the people, as we say, I don't know if they even have this anymore, but when I was a kid, people had cooties. (laughs) Is cooties still a thing? I don't know. Hopefully cooties are extinct now, but when I was a kid, they were very real. Let me get real serious, we'll be done. I was, uh, we were riding in the car the other day with the Youngs on Monday. We went past the mall, and I pointed out the parking garage at the mall to Brother Ray. And I told him the tragic story from last Saturday. Sean told me about his buddy in the Danbury Police Department, who was the first one there, and to walk up to that girl face down on the ground. Brother Ray brought well over a million people to church on buses from all over Chicago to First Baptist Church of Hammond. And so I asked him, I said, Brother Ray, You did a great job in Chicago, I said, but you didn't get to everybody. I said, even while you were bringing five, six, seven, eight thousand people a week to church on buses, people getting saved, people growing in the Lord, people having their life changed, even as you were doing that and you saw on the news some story about a gangbanger in Chicago, who wasted his life by taking another person's life for gang initiation 
or somebody who was having so much pressure put on them because of the gangs that they jumped off the top of a building. I said, you're, you're bringing thousands of people to church on buses, but did you hear that and think to yourself, but how come we couldn't reach that kid? How come we didn't get to that kid? I said, this is a much smaller scale than what you were doing. But I said, did you? He said, absolutely, I did. He said, every time. Every time. I wondered. Now, listen, I'm going to ask you to do something for me for, which is not even five minutes of the sermon left. We're way early. Could you forget about what you've read in the newspaper? Could you forget about what you've seen on social media? Could you forget about, you know, the, that goes on when these things happen in our town? Oh, well, I know somebody knew her. That's trash. That's garbage. Forget. That's not what a child, the way a child of God treats tragedy. The way a child of God treats tragedy is... I want to love people so that never happens to anybody I know. I, I don't know of anything that grieves my heart more than to think whatever what was going through that young lady's mind and heart, to think that she was in a place in life where she thought that was the thing to do. And I don't care what you think you know, you don't know what was in her heart. You don't know anybody else's heart. So I don't care what gossip you have or what story you have or who told this or what. That's trash. The tragedy is a young lady thought that was the thing to do. And we have got to hear the siren that says everybody we meet has to see the love of God in me. They have to know they're loved. They have to know they're cared about. Even if loving somebody makes me unpopular. Even if reaching out to somebody brings scorn to me, doesn't matter. I need to show the love of God to everybody I can. I'm going to tell one quick story. I told it to the bus workers yesterday. It's real fast and we'll still be done just a couple of minutes. But probably 15 years ago, I heard this story on the radio. A young man lived in San Francisco, and he battled depression. He was in his late teens, early 20s, still lived at home with his family. He battled depression. One day, he just made up his mind, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to take my own life. But here's a decision he made. He said, uh, he lived in San Francisco, so he said, I'm going to take the bus down to the Golden Gate Bridge. I'm going to walk to the middle of the bridge where people often jump from. And he said, if anybody from the time I get up in the morning until the time I get to the middle of the bridge, if anybody tries to stop me, I won't go through with it. If one person tries to stop me, I won't go through with it. So he got up, he said goodbye to his family like it was a normal morning. He went out, he got the bus, he rode the bus down to the base of the bridge. He walked up, he passed people walking, he passed tourists taking pictures. 
He passed people on bicycles. Normal day. He made his way to the center of the bridge. Just as he was about to climb over the side, a lady walked up and said, Sir, and he thought, this is it. This is going to be the person who says, don't do it. And it's going to, he said, because I, I didn't want to jump, but I knew I had to. But he said, that would be, that would be it. If somebody stopped and he, he said, this is it. She's going to, she's going to tell me, don't do this. She said, sir. And he turned and she reached out with her camera. She said, could you take a picture of me and my friends? And he said, sure. And he took their picture. They walked away. He climbed over the rail, and he jumped. Now, they say when you jump from that spot, and he had actually researched this a little bit, there is one position, I think it's four seconds you have before you hit the water, there is one position, your body has to be in exactly the right position if you have any chance of surviving. As soon as he jumped, he said, you idiot, why'd you do that? He, his mind raced back to the position you got to be in to survive, and he assumed that position, stiff as a board, straight as he could be, toes pointing down. He hit the water, and he survived, obviously, because he lived to tell the story. Here's my question for you as we go to prayer. Who will you pass this week? That's just begging inwardly for somebody to show them some love. Say, I don't know. Then love everybody. Who is it at work that is just begging to find somebody who's genuine, somebody who's real, somebody who's not living a self-centered life? Someone who can reach out and show them the way. You say, I don't know. Then love everybody at work. Hey, be a total weirdo and love everybody at school. Love everybody that you encounter. When you go in the store, when you go in the gas station, when you go out to eat, when you go to get your groceries. Just love everybody. Love everybody. The preacher used to say, love everybody. Be good to everybody. That was it. Be good to everybody because you don't know who's having a tough time. Here it is, folks. We're done. It is up to us to see to it that the greatest of these touches the least of these. Father, I pray that you'd help us today. Pray that you